Hola, bienvenidos al Húmedo Podcast de Voice. Anatawa Poconita no sin deire. Nahnu nuhabuku wa nuridu saadatakum. Y hui yo hendu si Hello everyone. Uh, my name is Josh and you are listening to the Moist Boys podcast, what will officially be the first episode of the podcast. I am joined uh, this episode with uh, one of the other Moist Boys, Jonathan. Hello. Uh, so this, uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about some uh, story games that we've played. These are uh, what are uh, sometimes referred to uh, not in a kind way usually as uh, walking simulators or things of that nature where uh, a certain type of person uh, doesn't appreciate that they're called uh, video games. Uh, essentially, if you go onto a uh, go into the review section and you see people complaining that these aren't really games, these are probably the ones that they they're talking about. That seems fair. Uh, so what... Uh, well, I guess... <laughs> Oh, I was just going to ask, uh, what are your uh, thoughts on like story games in general and, and uh, I guess, playing them? I, I, it depends. So with me, I, I can't do anything that's first person uh, just because I get like super crazy motion sickness from it. Yeah. Um, so if there's a store, a game that is just like... I guess a air quotes walking simulator uh, as long as whatever is happening is compelling then I don't I don't care if it's just walking around um, if the, if you can interject some sort of like gameplay and adventure into that walking around then by all means go for it um, like the I guess the classic uh Pokemon, like you just walk around from town to town, but there's so much that you do in little bursts here and there that like, I, it still is entertaining. Uh, yeah, because you have uh, in the original Pokemon, there's uh, that haunted tower that I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Oh, the, ooh, what is it? It's the, um, is it oh, it's in Lavender Town. Uh, Is it just Lavender Tower? It might just be the Lavender Tower. That sounds about right. But uh, I'm sure if anybody listens to yeah. this, they can complain about it and look it up or they'll already know it. But uh, but I always felt like, you know, going through that tower and reading all the, the creepy inscriptions and talking to the people. And then it's kind of interrupted by these kind of obnoxious ghost encounters that you have to you have to get away from. So I feel like, you know, it's a very. That's, a, that's an example of, you know if you just got those story things and you had like a creepy, creepy atmosphere and kind of creepy music and you had these little stories that you're reading, that's a, that would uh, make a, a compelling game that I would, I would probably enjoy playing at some point. Yeah. If, you, if you're talking about uh, taking out the, the battle aspect of it or the randomized battle aspect, I should say. Yeah. Um, so I, along those lines, uh, I've got a list here of games that I'm going to be talking about, uh, that I've played, um, on my end of the conversation. And, uh, I think a good place to start 
uh, along those kind of same lines is a game called Everybody's Gone to the Rapture uh, by a publisher called The Chinese Room. Uh, they are a British group. Uh, they also did um, Dear Esther, which I uh, will play eventually, but I have not played it yet. Um, and you'll say this, see the same complaints for both of these games where people say all, all you do is walk around and listen to the story and there's no gameplay. But uh, for me, I think for something to be, as long as it's compelling, uh, like you were saying it, then as long as the writing and in this case, voiceover work and story are interesting, then uh, I'm going to go along with it. And just to, you know, because I want to find out what's going on. Um, so I think that two big things um, would be the voiceover work and writing, which are very important typically in a story game, because that's kind of the main draw because there isn't that, uh, interactivity where you're kind of controlling the controlling the world um i think everybody's gone gone to the rapture has uh is very good writing and i was uh always compelled to kind of go on and to solve the mystery um of what happened so it's about this small british village um you kind of wake up outside of this uh, observatory and you walk down the road into a village and um it's empty, but it, it seems like everyone's kind of just been uh, whisked away. Uh, out of nowhere, you'll find abandoned cars with the radio still on, and um, there's a bunch of TVs playing cryptic messages. Um, so right away, you kind of get this uh, eerie vibe and eerie atmosphere that propels you forward. And uh, as you go through, you find these gold orbs that you, <clears throat> you have to activate and... Um, Every time you do, there's a little scene will play between a couple of characters and slowly you kind of find out what happened to the to the people in this town. And uh, I think the, the my two big takeaways from it were the the uh, dynamic um, kind of uh, daytime setting. So as you walk through the town and you go from um, one end of, the end of the village to another, the kind of like it goes from kind of early morning and then through midday and finally you get to the night as you get to the end of the story and you kind of find out what happened and it, and it all ra uh, wraps up. Um, the other um, important thing too for story games and I think a lot of these uh, ones that I'm going to talk about kind of have this the same theme is that uh, music plays a, a, a important part and for me music can um can excuse a lot of bad uh or not not necessarily bad but can ex excuse a lot of things um in video games and uh even in movies i don't know if if that's the same for you or like music will kind of make you overlook other aspects you might not like so much i think it, it depends on how good the music has been pretty good um, there are definitely a few things where I will go and I will try to find a soundtrack to something after I've played the game, um, which, uh, a game that we'll be talking about later on. I'll, I'll dive back into that a little bit later. Um, but a soundtrack is a huge part of it for me too. Um, if, if whatever is... I am like if the the gameplay is super sparse in the sense of just walk around hit a button to interact with something um the 
choices or lack of choices of music can really help to keep you involved and keep you uh, wanting to continue on if there's a good amount of tension in the music or if at the right parts it's relaxing enough and it can um, maybe lull you into a, a false sense of security. Um, I can definitely let things like that kind of take me a little bit more if the if the soundtrack is really good. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so for everybody's gone to the rapture, it was definitely one of those soundtracks where after I was done playing it, I was like wanting to listen to it just to kind of get that same, the same feeling of when I was playing it. Uh, so the soundtrack was by, uh, some, a woman named Jessica Curry. She's a, an opera singer and composer, um, that's working out of England. And I would definitely suggest, um, going on to even if you don't play the game if you're looking it up uh, i know that most of the tracks were on youtube at one point you can actually purchase the soundtrack um and that might be something that i might even do later on just because uh, like the soundtrack is so evocative and it it's tied so directly into the into the atmosphere uh, of the game itself I uh, I just actually I just found the soundtrack on iTunes and I'm gonna go download it right now. Um, let me see. So I don't want to spoil the the stories of these games too much, just because I think um, with a story game, it's it's important to have this this story, um, particularly ones. Um, and I think for me, all of these ones fall under the list of ones that I think are are worth playing. Um, and experiencing as a story. Um, and uh, I think the other thing that it's important for story games too is to kind of, it doesn't have to necessarily answer questions, but um, just kind of asking questions and kind of making you kind of wonder about how you feel about things as well. Because um, the theme of, of the game or one of the themes of the game, and it's kind of, becomes apparent early on is kind of uh, isolation and loneliness um, which you can feel immediately when you're kind of put into this situation and in, you're in first person so you don't even see your own body and you kind of there isn't anybody to see and as you're going through it the only figures you're seeing are these kind of golden ghostly shapes that are kind of recreating um, things that happened um, so that's what I've got for everybody's gone to the rapture uh, what uh, what's your first uh, game on the list um also as a, as a real quick i was just looking through this uh she's also the person who the soundtrack for better so if that's an incentive to get you to play that game a little bit more uh, i think you broke up a little bit there for a second what was the game that you said oh uh she did the soundtrack for dear esther oh, okay yeah i guess i think uh she was married or is married to the the game director so they know each other that way oh okay that makes sense that's cool uh so i guess the first game that i would want to talk about that doesn't necessarily have as positive of a uh experience on my end um was the game oh crap i messed up the name on here um is it three-fourths home is that what it's called oh yeah three-fourths home 
Yeah, okay. So that game, that to me is a um, a good example of how not necessarily to do the, um, in this case, driving simulator properly in that not, not any like spoilers or anything, but like you literally have to hold down the button to drive and then you're just expected to read all of the dialogue on the screen. So while there are changes happening to the scenery, you don't necessarily get to, to enjoy them or see them because you're reading the entire time. Um, yeah, for my, for my experience, I do think that the uh, having to hold down the trigger was, was kind of a detriment to the game. It didn't, it kind of like, well, after a while, because you can play it, you can play the whole thing in like one sitting. So when I, when I was playing it, you know, about 15, 20 minutes into the game, like my finger was starting to starting to get sore a little bit just from having to hold down the trigger the whole time. Um, what I will say kind of to defend the reading part, um, is kind of the way that it, it, it works your eye line a little bit and kind of the, the, especially and this is kind of a, a little bit of a spoiler, but it's it's only a really a, a 20 minute game and there's a uh, kind of different things that the story works in, but there is a part where you're reading uh, the story from your, your brother is reading his story to you. So as you're driving along, you're, you're reading the text on the, on the screen. And there were a few times I, that I thought I saw something in the sky above the car. And then I was like, Oh no, I must, I mustn't, I mustn't have seen that. And then, as the story went along, I realized that I kind of was seeing what I thought it was. And I thought that was kind of cool. And then, uh, there's also a couple other times when like the character would say, I'm driving past the old silo and you would read that. And then there'd be no dialogue and you would look up and you see the old silo go by or like the school or something. So I think as a, as a kind of experimenting with like, as with a visual novel, I think it was kind of interesting, but I think it would have definitely would have improved if they had, I think it was just made by even just one guy, um, and a couple of testers or QA testers, but I did, I do think it would have worked a little bit better. Maybe if there had been different, like if you had to alternate different buttons, because yeah, holding down that trigger, your, your finger kind of gets sore after a few minutes. Yeah, a little bit. And then um, when I was playing through playing through the epilogue as well, um, I, it felt like it was trying to go into a almost otherworldly direction, or it was trying to make you think it was going to. Yeah. And then it it would do it for about a second, and then the conversation would shift, and then it would just go back to normal, and then I would say something and it would do that again where like the world almost kind of like peels away around you. I was like, Oh, okay. Are we getting into like what is actually going on right now? Um, because the, I don't know if it was just the way that I ended the game, but the ending of the game itself is very vague. And so I was expecting the epilogue to kind of like tie up what had happened, but it seems like it's, it's a completely detached thing. It's not even a continuation of what was going on. 
Um, and so just like walking back and forth at a bus stop and having these conversations where the world is changing around you for a brief second. And then there was no way to uh, exacerbate that happening. Every time it would happen, you or the person you're on the phone with would say something and then it would calm down and just go back to normal. I couldn't tell what they were trying to get me as the person playing it to feel like what I was supposed to be trying to do in this conversation. And so every time I got the opportunity to, I would, I would go that route of just being like really angry or snarky to get that, that world to peel again and see if that opened anything. And it never did. And then I, I finished it and was like, Oh, I feel like I should play through that again and just try to be a decent human being to the person on the other end of the phone. Yeah, I definitely think the the first part, I think, was stronger on its own as far as, like, um, even, like, as, as you're getting to the end of the game, the lighting and then the, uh, the kind of tornado alarm that goes off um, kind of adds a lot of tension, and I think it ends on a very good note, and I think... Because the way that the first part ends and then you get to the second part, it kind of ends in the same way where you're still not sure what's what you're supposed to, what's supposed to be going on in this story. So I think that adding that second part that doesn't really add anything was definitely a weakness. Um, I will say though that um, uh, I went through and looked at um, and uh, there's like special features where you can go through and look at like photographs and, and read the brother's short stories. Um, some of those were pretty interesting and I did, I did like some of the the stories that they had put in there. So I think that was good. I think if they had just removed that epilogue, it would have been uh, a lot stronger of an experience and kind of ended with a, with a heavier punch than they, than they ended up with. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did like going through and exploring the photography um, just as somebody who enjoys kind of that, that sort of style of photography and would like to do it if I had the equipment to do it, but God knows you, it's hard enough to afford that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I did enjoy getting to look through that. I didn't really go through it and, uh, do any of the reading. Um, and I listened to a couple of back on the soundtrack. Uh, which were actually like the soundtrack to that one is I thought at least uh, it was a really decent soundtrack, not enough to save the experience for me, but what music was playing when, when it would let it happen. I, I did enjoy. It was, it was kind of like, like synth wave, but played on just guitars, which is kind of like a weird way to explain it but that's like kind of what it made me thought of where it was kind of like the aesthetic of synthwave but they were just playing it on guitars instead of yeah um which yeah, I, th I thought i thought thought some of those were were pretty good in it especially in that first part where you're driving in the car um i think a lot of the music worked pretty well in that um did you have any other uh, thoughts about three fourths home. I think we, um, I don't, yeah, I think we pretty well covered I, everything that I really wanted to say about that one. Uh, 
I guess uh, to sum up, good attempt. Uh, I would be interested to see something from that creator again, but maybe with a, a slightly bigger team and uh, voice acting. I would like to see some voice acting. Uh, yeah, I think because I think the in the first half the reading kind of for me it helped with like keeping make the changing of the eye lines between like the two halves of the bottom and top half of the screen. But I do think in the second half having voiceover might have helped a little bit because you're able to kind of play up where you're trying to go through or go where you're trying to you say in that in that uh in that second half. Um, I will say though that. Um, I did get it for only three fifty on the uh, Xbox Store, so I think you know for for that as far as the experience goes, it was it was a good a good value that way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so the next game on my list is one that is kind of uh, polarizing. Um, either you think it's the dumbest game that's ever been made, and it was completely pointless. Or if you're like me, you kind of enjoyed the experience and the ending kind of made you a little uh, uh, nostalgic or uh, or melancholy. And it's a uh, game called Firewatch. I uh, played it on the PlayStation uh, a while back. And uh, so the, the two... Well, this hits three of like my big four um, things for a story game. Um, so kind of to go over those again, uh, for me, it would be voiceover work, the writing atmosphere and music are kind of like the four things that I look for. This one had music, but it wasn't, didn't play as big a role in my kind of how I felt about it. But, uh, it definitely had the, the, the other three, um, the voiceover work was, uh, very good. I didn't look up who, uh, the voiceover actors were, but they did um, a very good job. They were very uh, compelling and and sold the situation. Um, I feel like the writing was strong. I was, it's it it is a mystery and there is a mystery to solve, but it's not necessarily the one that you expect it at the beginning, which is, I think, and I'll probably go into de depth on this point a little bit more later. But I feel like part of the the thing that people have against story games is that is that a lot of the time there isn't a lot of like the choices you make don't necessarily affect the outcome of the game. Um, and I think this is one of the, those things where people wanted a, a certain ending and when they didn't get it, they were kind of disappointed. Um, and then the atmosphere was, um, between the 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 setting and the 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 lighting and sound effects um i think it had a very strong um very strong atmosphere uh so in the in the beginning of the game it actually starts off with a prologue before you even start the game proper where it's just some text on a screen where you're reading about the character that you're going to end up playing and he kind of meets this woman and he they start going out and then they get a dog and then she ends up getting cancer and then she's sick. And, uh, to kind of get away from his responsibilities on that end, he takes a job at a fire watch in, I want to say, I can't remember what state they're in. 
but it's it's essentially uh it's a real thing that i've actually seen uh kind of pictures of where these uh there are these uh fire watch towers where you're kind of sitting up like 100 feet in the in the air and you're you just kind of sit around and make sure that there aren't any fires that are going to be starting or if there are fires you uh call it in and make sure they don't get out of control so at the beginning of the beginning of the game you're uh kind of going around doing various tasks and making sure everything's as it should be and then you run into these two these two campers that are like making a mess and they're littering everywhere and making a big scene and he uh he calls out to them and to try to scare him away and uh then uh, later on as he's kind of going through his rounds he finds their campsite and it's all it's been all torn up and there's no sign of the campers anywhere so you're thinking something must have happened to them and um kind of as you go through the game there's a mystery start begins unfolding where you see mysterious figures that are standing outside at night and you see these weird lights and there's maybe a, a weird science station involved um but again like the, the the story doesn't go where you think it's going to go and for me i thought it was very compelling as far as um the way that it it looks at how people kind of deal with stress so like how this guy has dealt with the stress of his of his wife that he left at home who's sick and kind of escaping into this into this fantasy world where you know he's not sure what what's what um it is in first person so there's so there was there's that but uh i think if first person doesn't bother uh you if you're listening out there then i would i would say that this is definitely a a good one to check out a couple of trivia notes here uh i just started looking up on the imdb um so it is uh the fire the fire watch tower itself um is in the wyoming wilderness there you go uh and it looks like there is currently a film adaptation in the works uh yeah i think that could be uh that could be an interesting it would be it would depend on the on the take that they they go with it um i think much more than say a, a highly interactive game where you're kind of controlling um what's happening and like if your enjoyment of the game is your interaction with the world then i think turning it into a movie is a lot more difficult um like with say like uh a movie that just came out this year that was a, uh, a pretty close adaptation is the uh, most recent Tomb Raider movie. And I think the main problem with that is that a lot of the set pieces that happen in the movie are compelling in the game because you have some uh, amount of control. So as you're going through, you know, you're having to stay vigilant at all times to like say dodge out of the way of a branch or whatever. So like that, the tension that you're feeling is you're watching for stuff to pop up on screen kind of disappears when you don't have any control over it. Whereas in a story game where you're kind of, you're kind of taking the game along to unfold the story, I think it'd be a lot easier to, to be able to translate that uh, over to a, a medium where you're also not necessarily directing 
or in charge of directing where the the, the game is going. Yeah, that, yeah. If it's more of you, if you're already along for the ride and the game aspect of it, that will translate to you being along for the ride. Yeah. Um. So what's uh what's your next game? Uh, the next one that I have, I think, is actually the last one that I can think of. Actually, um, is uh, a game called Oxenfree, which I think you you played as well, right? Yeah, and actually, that'll uh, that detail will uh, come up uh, later on as we discuss it. Okay, um, so I am a big fan of choose your own adventure dialogue stuff, um, which is what I was actually really looking forward to with three fourths home, where it was, you got to choose what you say and it propelled the conversation. Um, but this is done substantially better, uh, in my opinion, in completely different gameplay, of course. So I can't really, it's, it's apples to oranges. Um, but the, the group being put onto the island and then uh, all of the voice actors in this game are 100% fantastic and going to your the kind of the four things that you're looking for in your in story voice acting music um, and then atmosphere uh, this one hits all four for me um, it is definitely one of like the favorite games that I've played in the last year um, and I have been playing it for a year <laughs> to get uh, as many of the alternate uh, versions of the game that I can um, because without I don't want to go into too many uh, spoilers or anything like that um, but there are alternate ways to end the game um and they whereas three-fourths home made me constantly think it was going to go into a supernatural sort of thing this one actually does it and it does it really well and your actions do have consequences and uh i think that's something that i I definitely look for in a story game like this. Um, I do like just being along for the ride, but I also really like being in control and feeling like what I what I'm doing has weight. Uh, this is just one of the the best games that I've played in this last year, uh, and I can't. I could go on forever talking about it, but I it's. Uh, 10 out of 10 for me. Um, uh, this is the game that I went and downloaded the soundtrack and it is such a good, it's, a, it's the perfect like haunted house soundtrack. Yeah. Um, but without being like cliche and having like the creaking doors open and stuff like that, but it's just got a real good feel of parts of it where you just feel really at ease. Parts where you just feel really like hair standing up on the back of your neck because you don't know what's going to happen next um and even though the game itself is a relatively slow pace it uh it 
So yeah, it it, uh, it, it does a really good job um, of getting you terrified of what's coming around, not like coming around the corner, basically. Um, they're, they don't do the like usual kind of jump scare stuff, but there is um, some things where the world around you kind of just shifts for a second and it keeps you, keeps you on your toes a little bit more than some games will. Um, but you don't, you're never racing for buttons. And I like that because I like being able to take in what's happening and then react to it. Um, and it gives you, it, it gives you a really good amount of time to do that. I feel. Yeah. The only, the only time we are kind of rushed and I think, um, they did this on in hindsight, I think when I was looking back on it, I was like, Oh, it was, probably on purpose but at the time it was a little frustrating but then as i was thinking about it i was like oh it's it's kind of how like the conversations work where there would be a conversation going on and then your your option conversation option tree would open up but then as as the conversation is going you know usually when when that happens you wait till all the dialogue's been said and then you think oh what am i going to say now but in this one like the dialogue starts like like the timer's going down halfway through their conversation so you're like instead of listening to what they're saying you're kind of thinking about what you're going to be saying next which i think it was a, a thing that they did probably on purpose to kind of like point out that like you know that these how these this character is thinking and what kind of like mindset and even just like people in general when they're ha having a conversation they're not really listening to the what's being said they're kind of like waiting for the their turn to to jump into the conversation and uh so it's like is like when you're saying like sometimes your hair will stand on end. Where there's definitely a few times where I got some like serious chills, where there would just be like a flash of something that you see, um, and uh, so the one of the times that it happened is that there are several times when you'll have like walk past a reflective surface, like a mirror or a body of water or something, where you'll you'll see your character's reflection, but they'll be like another character's name over top there is like the first few times that it happened it was just like random like letters and numbers so i didn't know what it was but then there were a couple times when i actually saw your xbox live handle up above the person's name and like while i was trying to figure out like wait what what's what's going on why is why is he in my game like lines of dialogue were spoken and then like by the end of the game like when i realized what was happening i was like oh wow, that's actually, that's actually like a really cool thing that they're able to work into the game. And I think it's like the only time that I've ever seen like having an always online thing actually work out very well. Um, and then like, there were also a few times where there's, um, you, you're kind of put into a situation where you have to pick like the right pieces of dialogue to actually like save characters and like just the atmosphere that they were able to to build around those and like between the sound effects and the music and like the urgency of the dialogue where you just have like this like this like not in your stomach where you're like you don't want to make the wrong decision yeah i i, I really liked uh um once i figured out uh that the things that were happening in the mirror 
were somebody else. Like and, and somebody else in the sense of like somebody else who played it. Yeah. Somebody else who played it said those things. And then, uh, yeah, at the end of the game, when you get to choose those things for somebody else, I, I really like that. That's a really cool thing. And that's where kind of like the ticking clock comes back again, because like, it's the only time that they're rushing you through the game and like, they're pushing you to like make the right decision. And you're trying to think back of like, what did I need to, what am I supposed to be saying at this right time? So that later on, because what you do, what you say to the characters can actually have a very um, important effect on what happens later in the game. Um, and the, and the choices you make, even though it's not until like the second or third time that you're playing through and you're hearing these, these pieces of dialogue that you even understand, like how it's going to come into play later. Yeah. Uh, how many times did you play through it? So for me, I, I really find it hard. And this is for a lot of things. Um, I would say probably the only two exceptions would be like music, obviously, because there's a lot of replayability and, uh, and some movies that I'll watch um, over and over again. But for me, I really find it hard to, to replay games and also with like books and like a lot of other stuff where I find it really hard to replay through it. And so I haven't actually gone back yet. Um, and also part of it is because like, just like the, the like lightning in a bottle of playing the game for the first time, I'm, I'm kind of worried that it's kind of, it'll diminish a little bit, even though I think, the, like the the things that they do well, like the voice acting and the music and the atmosphere and all that, were strong enough to uh for for multiple playthroughs. I kind of just I'm worried that like it'll diminish a little a little bit, and then also just like the stress of having to make the 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 different decisions over again. It's like it's because by the end of it, you kind of like sit back and you're just completely emotionally exhausted by having to go through all these all these different choices. Um, especially cause I think I played it in like two playthroughs, each one for like five hours or four or five hours. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of like, there was so much like exhaustion and all that. So I do find it hard to play games a, a second time, but I might, uh, unless they're like an arcadey one, but I, I might yeah. go back and play this one again. I would highly recommend giving it a second run through um, because the, again, not trying to spoil anything, but the second time you go through is actually a continuation. Oh, really? Yeah. And so there are a lot of things that are different. Well, that's, uh, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, the other thing that I like that it did too is that even when you get to a point where there are supernatural things happening, like the level at which they're happening is it's gradual and you're slowly brought into it. Um, and then also there's a lot of like little clues and you're def this is definitely a game that rewards you for finding the story parts, not just, you know, collecting a hundred like, bird feathers like an assassin's creed but like actually going through and finding like the story there's a lot of story beats that are hidden throughout that actually add a significant amount of of information that aren't just like well if you find it, it's fine but if you don't then you're not going to miss anything like if you don't find 
a lot of these things, like you're going to miss out a lot. Yeah. And a lot of it, a lot of it is if you don't, um, if you don't find a lot of, uh, I can't remember the, the character's name, the, the person who owned the island left letters scattered everywhere. Yeah. And if you don't find a certain number of them, you don't get the correct ending of the game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you did this or not, but one of the things I like to do would, would be going to different parts of the island and just going through on the radio that you get and then just listening to all the really weird like they had i think my favorite part of the game was was just the the production that they did on the on the radio broadcast that they had on there because there's like it, there has a has a huge amount of uh of like atmosphere uh to the game so i would just like go to a spot and then just run through the dials and find all the different weird weird parts um because that's that's one of the other parts where you could find uh, store information too. Is if you're standing in a certain spot and you turn to a certain station, there's going to be backstory to the game and kind of like inklings, even though you don't know it at the time, of what's going to happen, of what the the story ultimately is. And I thought that was that was really interesting. Any old timey radio stuff, I'm gonna I'm gonna like be drawn to it just because I I feel like the the aesthetic of the 1920s through 40s radio stuff is uh, is very interesting to me yeah yeah the world building is really well done uh so one one question i have for you is did you gravitate more towards which i can't i can't remember what the the kid's name is um because there's her stepbrother and then her, there's her, uh, their, her best friend that she was hanging around, around with. Which one did you gravitate more towards? I think initially, uh, I'm trying to remember my first playthrough. Um, so there's uh, the main character, Alex. Yeah, that's natural. Right. Um, his stepbrother is Jonas. Um, and then the best friend is Ren. Um, and I want to say that because in my first playthrough, because I liked the the performance that the voice actor for Ren was giving so much that I just wanted, I just wanted to make him happy. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple, there were definitely a couple times where I did accidentally say the wrong thing and definitely went in the other direction of that and then felt really bad afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I think by the end of it, um, I kind of just landed in the middle and was didn't have a strong connection with either one by the end of my first playthrough. Yeah, when I played through it, um, I ended up going with Jonas just because, and this is the thing that I kind of have with, with games um, and kind of stories in general, whereas if I get that kind of... Uh, from Ren, I, I got a little bit of the, the, um, I guess for lack of a better word, I kind of got like that incel vibe off of him. So I was just like, Oh dude, no, I gotta, I gotta stay away from that. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to mess with that. Um, which isn't to say like he did a bad job, but just like, just like the, the character, the type of character that he is. I was just instantly like, no, I, I don't want to mess around with that. So I did end up, uh, going with, Jonas the whole time which I think for me ended up helping because 
I haven't, I haven't only played through it once. I'm going to have to go on assumption here, but I assume that the person you're with ends up not being what you're going to have to kind of like when you're trying to, to save people um, throughout certain parts of the game. I, I assume that affects that a little bit. So I think having like that motivation worked for me where like the reason why you have to save them and also kind of being distant ended up working and his his performance um ended up working working very well i i will say ren seems like the kind of kid who would wear a fedora and say my lady <laughs> i i don't think he said it in the game but i think there were a couple times where i was like oh he's gonna say it. he's gonna say it <laughs> um but yeah like i would definitely say um like particularly for because um when i played it it was a uh i think when we both played it it was a uh one of the free games with the gold membership on the xbox store and it was definitely the best um free game that they've they've given out since i've been on there um and it, i would say even games in general i would say yeah it's definitely if not a 10 then at least a 9 out of 10 because i think everything that it aesthetically performance wise everything that it that it set out to do i was definitely uh i was definitely long for the ride even to the point where like if i knew that there was going to be a decision coming up i would be like completely dreading having to make that decision and and just like knowing that i would be like destroying a, another path that i wouldn't be able to go down and just like having that responsibility was as like it's it's really and not to say that in a bad way but like just how much the game is able to sell you on on the world that it's 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 putting out there um and i would say that there's a point in the first part where you're going along and i think it's like the first of the or the end of the first chapter um where you do that first polaroid and like that moment is when i just like my entire body just like went cold and i was like uh this this is not the game that i thought it was going to be yeah. Also, if I can, if I can do a quick uh, shots fired, real quick. So when we got that game, that they gave us that game in October of 2017, and I feel like that was the last solid game they put out on there. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it's definitely the last one that I hadn't played. Um, I think since then they've put out uh, Assassin's Creed the the one that takes place in england um oh, it was um trinity wasn't it no unity my bad no it was the one after that syndicate no not syndicate oh. um yeah yeah syndicate yeah um which i think was probably my favorite assassin's creed game um very closely behind or very with a black flag right in front of that um yeah like other than that it's just kind of been i feel like half of them are free to play games where you just get a couple extra skins but it's been a lot of a lot of trash on there a lot of isometric yeah. shooters a lot of it yeah a lot of it just feels like this this should just be a mobile game but it's on my tv yeah 
Um, Not to disparage mobile games at all, because I play mobile games a lot, way more than I probably should. And they're fun as hell, and I'm not even mad about it. But they're definitely a thing where it's like, it's it's a thing that you're doing on your phone when you're ignoring something else, not when you're like at home, you're going to sit down and actually like put yourself into a game. Yeah. Uh, So any other... Any other quick thoughts about that one? I think we hit that one pretty, pretty well. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, I think that's all I got for that one. Uh, so I would say if you, if you're listening to this and you haven't played it yet, I would say it's a hundred percent. Definitely go, go and, uh, play that one. As long as you don't, like, I would say, um, and now probably for most of these, you know, if you're a gamer gator, then you probably want to stay away. But like, if uh, if you're tired of the uh, Call of Duties and uh, all those other ones, I think that would be definitely a hundred percent. I recommend to to I would buy it personally, and uh, to either to play it again and again, or just to know that it's there and have that be able to remember that experience that you had. Yeah, I think to buy it is like twenty dollars, and that is one hundred percent worth it to me. Yeah, if I had. If I had uh, known the experience I would have, I was going to have, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any problem with that. I would say that the other thing too that's important with these, and that's kind of kind of why we want to be vague, is that knowing anything can spoil a lot. So like knowing, like even as, even as much as we've said on here, I think might be like too much as far as how much I will want to know personally going into these games. Like when I played oxen free, I literally knew nothing about it. Like it was free. So I downloaded it. I started it up and like everything was a surprise. And I think for, for a lot of these, like that surprise is, is a important part. Yeah, definitely. Especially in something like in that game where you don't want to like i don't want to say what any of my my choices have been because it you are supposed to choose it yourself and that is part of the the journey yeah i mean and there are um, where it, well it's just gonna say there are like six or seven different possible endings and like even like with like four or five different permutations within that from what i yeah been able to gather so like definitely there's a lot of choices that that make a difference and you don't even know at the time if it's necessarily going to be that decision or not that's going to be the one that that makes that difference all right um so there are there are a couple here that i was wanting to go through real quick um there is a a a choose your own adventure game that has uh, a lot of different endings to it um it's a uh horror choose your own adventure game called until dawn Starring uh, Rami Malek and the guy from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. whose name I just just went out of my head Agent, entirely. Agent Ward. Yeah, the guy that plays Agent Ward on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is is in that game. Um, it's... Uh, I found it... I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was... There were... Um, there were some creepy moments to it. There are um, good collectibles that actually uh, enhance the story a little bit. I did not find them all myself, but I did uh, 
end up looking it up on YouTube after I finished the game because I wanted to see what the how it ended up uh, how the collectibles kind of work themselves out because um, they unlock different video clips so I wanted to see the whole video and uh, but yeah it was a it was a lot of fun um, there are a couple of twists that I wasn't didn't see coming um, I almost got the best ending but I I failed towards the end and I ended up not getting the best ending but um if I, if if you're uh, willing to share um the slight spoilers on that one uh, who'd you kill uh, I can't it was it was the the brown-haired girl with the hat I want to say Oh okay um in the, in the like the mine shaft Yeah because I, for the most part, the decisions are pretty clear, like which ones are safe and which ones aren't. But there is one choice where they they switched it up on me, where you think something's going to happen, but the opposite ends up happening. Um, so I went yeah. when I made that choice, I was like, because there's like two spooky sounds, and I was like, well, I think this one's this one's the safe route, but I ended up making the wrong choice. Um, otherwise it's pretty it's pretty clear like the options are like run towards the monster or run toward freedom and it's like well i'm gonna run toward freedom unless I run towards freedom yeah there are a couple of times when they kind of like switch it up on you where they're like run towards the monster but there's like an axe that you're gonna grab and hit it over the head or try to run away and leave your friends behind and sacrifice them and it's like well obviously i'm not going to sacrifice because that's like they're gonna that's like one of those moral things where they're going to punish you for kind of being a coward um yeah yeah so i was able to get everyone else but that that one because there's that one option where it just like seemed like they were i thought i was picking the obviously safer one but uh but no i did not um uh, that one i that, that one's only on playstation isn't it i believe so yeah because uh, okay that's why yeah uh playstation again getting all the good uh exclusives except uh i did see that uh the senua chronicles i think it's called uh is finally on xbox so i'm, I'm not sure i do want to play that eventually because i've heard good things about it um okay but for the most part yeah, i haven't uh i haven't gotten to play through obviously because i only have the xbox um but i've watched a lot of playthroughs of until dawn uh, one of my favorites that I watched uh, was specifically, um, I do not remember what the YouTube channel was, um, but it was a, a Scottish guy, and he was specifically going through to pick the worst options, <laughs> and it is hilarious. Um, also, uh, Peter Stormare, I, I completely forgot about until just now. Um, he, he, yeah. he, he's really good at that. Like he's really creepy and like, you're not sure what, what's going on with him through the, through most of the game. And then when you realize you kind of even don't know what's going on with that at the end too, you just kind of have to piece it together yourself. But I still, I still liked, uh, like the performance that he gave. I think pretty much everybody in that game. Oh, uh, Hayden Panettiere. She's in it too um yeah oh, i was gonna say i was just looking up the cast here uh brett dalton is the name we could not remember yeah that's the one um i think everybody in that g gave uh, good performances um i i for me in a in a game 
or pretty much in anything, if there's a character that starts off one way and you're feeling another way, and then by the end it's kind of turned around, um, I think that's that, that's a good performance because there are a couple of characters at the beginning you kind of like, oh, I don't really like this character, but then by the time they like the by the time the chips are down, and you have to make your decision. You kind of like you still want to make get that good decision and kind of get them through it safely. So. Yeah. Also, I would say that game is like, um, I know there are games out there right now that are kind of doing this more and more, but that game gets the actors like this is so right. Yeah. It's, like, it's crazy to look at. Yeah. You can like, you reckon, you can recognize them like, because I don't think there's, there's no credits before you see them. So like, as they were popping up, I was like, Hey, that's them. And that's them. Whereas like before it would be like, it's just a cardboard box with someone's face painted on it where these are actual like representations. Um, all right. So like that, that's, I think that's a, that's a fun, that's more of like on the fun end where like, you know, you're just kind of going through and picking wacky choices. And I think that would be a, a good game to kind of like do with a bunch of people and everyone's like yelling out what to do. And, and yelling and screaming as they're going through. Yeah, do a uh, a democracy run with like five people. <laughs> yeah, which there are a couple of games on uh, PlayStation that I've I've seen where they actually have that thing where, um, kind of like with the Jackbox, where you have an app on your phone and you're playing along on that, um, which might oh, okay. be an interesting experiment to go through sometime. Um, let me see. So two games I kind of go through real quick just because they're kind of older and uh, there are a lot has been said about them. Um, <coughs> uh, so two games, both by made by a notorious, uh, notorious in gaming journalism circles creator um, called David Cage, I think. Cage or Cage? Gage? I can't remember. I think it's David Cage. Um, where these games get a lot of flack, but I, I think that they each had a uh, strong, some strong parts to them. Um, so the first one that I played by him was called heavy rain, which there are a couple of, uh, YouTube videos of people, maybe even the same person, um, that you were talking about. They'll purposely play it bad to kind of get wacky looking things, which do look funny, but, uh, kind of like if you, uh, if you're playing through it, there can be some, some, uh, tense situations. Uh, and then the sequel to that one, which that game, it was, it was okay. I think it was lacking a little bit in the performance area because they didn't really have real actors there. They had, they had voice actors, but I think you needed like actual performers because of how much, um, the, the performance is going to be selling the game. Um, but it did have, it did have a good atmosphere. And I think that the, the controls, I actually like that the way that they were integrated um but the one that i i liked even more was the sequel to that called beyond two souls um and that had ellen page and willem dafoe who both turn in pretty good pretty good performances which i i don't know how you feel about it but i, I feel weird kind of saying that someone's performance is really good even if it kind of is just because like the way that we're kind of still think think about video games as a as a medium 
I, I think that in, in those aspects, uh, or these cases, I should say, um, where something like in, in the same, the same way with until dawn, where it actually feels like it is a performance, um, because as opposed to just whatever happening on screen being because of the animators, uh, you actually have motion capture going into it. Um, like I think was something that like a game, uh, LA noir kind of tried to do, but I feel like they didn't, they weren't quite up to snuff on the technology, but I think these later games took it, ran with it and performed it better. So you actually do get really good performances from the actors doing it. Yeah, I think L.A. Noir was just, like you were saying, it was just, I think it was ahead of its time, so it wasn't 100% there yet, because, um, like, a lot of the facial animations were, were okay for the time, were good for the time, but just, just the way things are now, it's like, and I think a lot of that has to be thanked um, to, uh, um, like, Andy Serkis and all the people that he's worked with, since like lord of the rings and and king kong and like all this all the stuff that he's worked with people like advancing the the art of of motion capture and also being able to take not have to do the ping pong balls on the face to get their get their performance but actually being able to get like a hundred points of reference on the face to get the performance yeah yeah i would i would if the company, I don't remember if it was, uh, I thought for a while it was Rockstar, but it wasn't Rockstar that made L.A. Noir, was it? Because nope. I had heard that the company that made L.A. Noir like ran into the ground. Well, I think it was, it was like Rockstar Paris or something like that. It was like one of their offshoots okay. that they ended up, ended up closing down. I would, there was supposed to be a sequel for a while and I would like to see that because I think there were a lot of good parts to that game. Um, also might be just because um uh oh now what's the movie i'm trying to think of now um with russell crowe and guy pierce and la confidential oh la confidential yeah. yeah i feel like you know i think that's one of my favorite crime movies of all time and i think that there's there's enough kind of like aesthetically with the the music and everything that I kind of get like a lot of the same feeling with that. So I think that uh, some of that made, uh, made some of my warm feelings toward that game, but I did, I did end up uh, liking it. And uh, I think that some of the downfalls were a lot of the things that rockstar, I think still does slightly poorly, which is where the characters kind of feel like they're tanks on, on track sometimes. Um, mm. And that's why I would love to see somebody put the money into redoing that game with today's technology and really nail it. Yeah, like I'll, I'll, even better than the remaster that they really re-released, which I think is still kind of too closely, too close to the original to be a new experience. Uh, so, kind of going back to what I was saying about the performances, uh, Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. I'm just going to say it; they have they were really good in this game, uh, particularly Ellen page because she has to kind of go through like a 20 year span of this character and kind of sell all these different, um, aspects of her life or whether she's like a young 
a young teenager kind of growing up and then transitioning to like a secret agent and into a like uh, being homeless at one point and re and really being able to sell all these all these different uh, all these different uh, characters that she's having to play. Um, I will say that even if it, the rest of it, like the performances and all that, weren't as good, I would still say that they did they did that thing that tricks me into liking games where they'll have a character sit down with a guitar and then just play either most of or an entire song, um, which in Beyond Two Souls, she um, at one point she picks up a guitar and then plays uh, Lost Cause by Beck and uh like the performance that she she does in that is probably like 90 percent of what what i think that the performance or her, the good performance is um even though she does a good job in the rest of the game but like just that moment i was like oh i'm sold in this game now um and then <laughs> the uh the other example that i can think of off the top of my head is in uh, bioshock infinite when uh, Booker DeWitt and Elizabeth, you're investigating like a tavern, I think, and you go out down into this basement and there's a guitar just le leaning up a, on up against a, a bench or whatever. And usually in, in games, like the most you can do is just like twang a couple of strings or just like punch a guitar into smithereens. And like, other than that, there's, they don't really serve a purpose. But on this one, like I walked up to the guitar and it said, play guitar. So I was like, well, I guess I'm playing the guitar. And then I ended up sitting down. And then so the character sits down with the guitar and starts playing uh, The Circle Will Remain Unbroken. And then as as he's playing it, then him and Elizabeth start duetting. And I was like, well, like this is one of my favorite games now. Which it, it still was because just being able to, to punch like 20th century or 19th century racists in the face just is pretty gratifying just to stick a, a big giant claw into into their faces. That's always a good thing to put into a game. Yeah. Always punch racists. <laughs> Which I think it's funny now because I think that game out that game came out in 2013 or 2012. 2012 or 2013. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. I remember one of the complaints being was like, oh, like the, the, the violence against the racists is this. That was just way too overboard. But now it's like, no, it, it wasn't overboard enough. Like I want I want more of that. Right now, I feel like there would be a rallying cry of like, there should have been more violence to the racists. Well, it, it would probably be like more polarized where you'd have, on the internet at least, even though I think in the real world it would be like 95 to 5%, but on, on the internet it would be like 50-50 split of, you know, oh, they're just, they're calling them Nazis, but they're not actually Nazis and they're not actually racist. And that's why we're, we're getting being more of a bunch of assholes and on the other side you have people be like no we need more of punching them in the punching them in the face and i would definitely be in in the punching them in the face camp because i was back then where i was like no these people are saying these things and i i want to really just jam this sky hook right in right into this guy's eye yeah this this is definitely a guy who would point to the sign that says whites only in the bathroom and be like scoot away little n-word yeah um that guy needs to be punched in the face plus like bioshock infinite i think has hands down the best the best music of any video game i think that i've ever played just like the the old-timey version versions of pop songs and um you can't really find it 
I don't think you I don't think you can download it. I think it was part of a special edition at one point. But I think most of the songs are on YouTube and I would definitely look up um the uh my favorite one is the uh, a cappella um barbershop quartet version of God Only Kno- God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. That's that's a top notch song. And that's actually I full disclosure. Um going into that game being somebody who didn't listen to the Beach Boys, I had no idea that was a Beach Boys song. I thought it was a song written for the game. And I was like, this is a cool song. And then like later that year, um, Heather and I were doing our annual watching of Love Actually, and that song appears in that movie. And I was like, oh shit, that's a Beach Boys song. <laughs> I feel like an idiot now. And uh, that actually, that game actually introduced me to... I'm not gonna remember his name now, but I do remember his YouTube channel. It's uh, Postmodern Jukebox. The uh, music like director, the guy that plays the piano, uh, for that actually did a lot of the music and a lot of the uh, arrangements of the of those songs for Bioshock Infinite. Um, so if you like Postmodern Jukebox or Bioshock Infinite, those are two things that definitely go well together. I didn't realize that guy worked on the game. Uh, yeah, he did the, he did at least a couple of the, like he did the, the Al Jolson version of a song. I can't remember which one it is, but there's a lot of good songs on there. There's REM, some Cindy Lauper. So that was a brief tangent. I feel like, um, with at least the first Bioshock game and Bioshock infinite, that those ones are, story games where the 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 gameplay is almost superfluously stacked on top and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for me because i do enjoy story games a lot so like having those two separate experiences um i was okay with it but i do think like you can tell that um ken levine who wrote those was definitely the story was definitely important maybe even more so than the gameplay itself. Yeah, it seemed like that the most important aspect of the games from his perspective was getting from A to B. Yeah. Um, and they didn't want there to be a, a C or a D. You were just going to go A to B, and this is how you were going to do it, and you were going to get that broken up with some gameplay elements here and there. Um, but like the wandering through... Um, uh columbia uh is just like one of my favorite parts of that game yeah and i think it also has like one of the best endings of any video game or most even most stories in general of all time where i was just like just the the ideas that they were that they were exploring i was just like this is completely just blowing my mind right now which usually doesn't happen with games but like that's like the ending of that which at this point it's it's a kind of an old game, but um it's definitely one of my favorite endings of a game. All right. Um let's see here. So just a couple more quick ones. Um a game that I recently uh picked up to go through again just to double check some of the the things is a uh another game that was free that I think was uh I had played it before already, so it. Um, but I, st- I still ended up picking it up. It's a game called Gone Home, which is another first-person uh, exploration game, 
which it does. Uh, it does those same things that are important as uh, that I had mentioned before. It has uh, it has a good atmosphere. Like even playing through it a little bit uh, last night to kind of reacclimate myself to all the different aspects of it. Like even though I knew what was going to happen still just like the the atmosphere and the creepiness of the of the setting it was like just it was just giving me chills just because of the way the the light and sound effects were working together it creates a a, a definite a definite uh, atmosphere that kind of unsettles you and kind of doesn't lead you to where you think that the story is going to go um uh, mainly I was checking to make sure that it, it did actually have voiceover, which I had remembered that it had, but I couldn't remember. I didn't know if I was remembering correctly, which I was. Um, it did have voiceover work. And I think the voiceover work and the writing um, were very strong in this and and definitely propelled the game into, like, the, for me, the, like, the upper tier story games where you know, because you have to care about the characters um, a lot of the times. And I think that they were able to bring that across really well with that. Um, and then there's also uh, music plays a big part um, in that, too. And I think for a story game, the music, if it if it's important for the characters, it'll come across really well as making it important for the game and for for you as the player as well so definitely um if you do enjoy um story games and this one has some uh kind of it's a little bit it's a little bit more of a point and click um game where you have to like find different items to unlock different doors to progress through the story and it's another one where unlocking all of the diary entries and voiceover clips um it isn't superfluous to the to the experience. It kind of is the experience, and like finding every single detail to kind of give you the story of the the family at the center of it. Um, it definitely is important for that. That was one that I I had tried to play because I was like, it'll be a slow enough pace. The first person stuff won't like set me off uh, with my motion sickness, and then it did it still set me off yeah and the like the un i i don't do well with like horror stuff yeah and i do even less well with it in first person um because in in third person if something jumps out at you it jumps out at the character and you can like i can divert my eyes to just my character being jumped at Whereas I feel personally attacked when something is coming directly at the screen. And I don't know if anything like that actually does happen in that game, but I felt like the more I played it, the more likely something was going to happen. And so before I even, I think it's like when you're supposed to go, um, I don't remember if it's like, uh, is it her, her brother's bedroom or uh, like the attic or something like that? And you're supposed to go into one of those rooms and like whatever room it was, it creeped me the fuck out. And I was like, I'm done. I can't play this game anymore. Yeah. I think, I think all the, pretty much all the rooms in that are, are creepy where like what I would end up doing is like backing into the room 
like backing through the door into the room so I couldn't see anything and then turning on the light and then slowly turning around to make sure which not to, not to give too much of a spoiler but like this is gone home is ends up being at the at the beginning it's like 50% horror but by the end it's like there's you end up you find out there's like 0% horror which I think it definitely like plays up the like the atmosphere like I was saying earlier where like you know they're able to sell you on this thing where you kind of even though you know it's just gonna be a walking simulator it it you, you're sold on the fact that there's there's some sort of danger in the house that could get you at any minute um which I think is the same feeling that you end up getting from everybody's gone to the rapture and firewatch also where like as you're going through it you always have this like feeling in the back of your in the back of your 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 mind or the you know working down your spine that something could happen at any moment and like even if you know that it's not going to you still get that feeling of like something's gonna happen to me i'm just like preparing for it to happen um so i would say if you're if you're if you are okay with uh with first person games and they and they don't affect you i would i would definitely give this a recommendation there are a certain type of people that complain that did complain about what the game ended up being about and um kind of dismissed it as as not important but i think if you if you're able to if you find all the diary entries in your and you spend your time like becoming attached to this family i think it I think it ends up working a lot more than it being like some sort of scary ghost house that something jumps out at you at the end. All right. Uh, so my last game on this list, um, there are currently, there are three full games and a chapter that have been released, um, in a series, uh, the series called life is strange. Um, which uh, on in certain circles of the internet is kind of blown up into something big at this point. Um, so I would say that of the, the four things that I'm looking for, this really only hits two of them, but I think that um, between the voiceover work and again, like music's selling me on a game, this this uh this series has uh definitely got that in spades so just like a quick rundown of some of the um artists that they've gotten to do soundtrack you've got uh uh jose gonzalez who who uh, contrib uh contributes a song there uh the sequel to life is strange which is actually a prequel was called before the storm and uh there was a band called daughter that actually did uh, most of the soundtrack, like all of the instrumental stuff, and contributed a bunch of songs. So uh, if that's a, a band that you're interested in, um, they did music for that. Uh, there's also a band called Wolf Alice that contributed a song. And then uh, really I was I was sold on the f original Life is Strange um, as I was playing through it. And then uh, an Alt-J song called uh, Something Good popped up, and I was like, well... I'm sold on this game. Like this is this is a game that I'm going to be interested in now because, yeah, it's like this. It's one of those things where like if it just hits the right aesthetic, 
like little trigger in my brain is just like a, a switch gets flipped and I'm kind of sold on it immediately. So like pretty much from that, from hearing that song from then on, I was like sold on the, uh, on the series and just like having these people like this, this, uh, type of music in a game, it's very rare that you get like that kind of that genre of music in something like video games, they're just trying to be like as wide, like have a wide appeal as possible. Um, and then there was another uh, game in the series called The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. And uh, there was actually a completely original Sufjan Stevens song that he wrote for it. So like, again, like just a complete, like I was completely sold on it just just for that, I was like, Sufjan Stevens wrote a song for it. I'm going to have to play it. Um, and then I will say, having finished it today, there are a couple times when, when the, the song starts playing and it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to lose it, if you're uh, susceptible to like losing it, then yeah, there's a couple of times when, when it, the song starts playing and I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm done for, for the day. I didn't realize that uh, that game was connected to the Life is Strange series. So it's actually, yeah, it's a, it was a, it's a free game that they released, which you can, you can pretty much finish it in like an hour, hour and a half, um, which is fine because it's, it's a free game, but it's a, it's a prequel to the uh, Life is Strange 2, which uh, I'm going to be briefly talking about um, after, after this one. Um... Let's see. So yeah, I think between the music and how good the voiceover work is in all of these, in all of the games, I think overcomes some of the the stilted and kind of awkward dialogue and writing that they have to do. Um, and the, the fact that there's kind of not a, a huge amount of atmosphere just because they're kind of more of like a a realistic setting for the most part. But I think... Like the music provides the atmosphere more so than like the lighting or the the locations. So I would definitely, if uh, I'd say definitely give them a chance, um, just because just to hear the interesting ways that the the music and music does play a big part in all of these because the, um, it's related to the characters and also the the char uh, main character in Life is Strange, um. When the Alt J song comes on, she actually sits down out on the on the uh, on the couch, picks up a guitar, and starts playing along. So I was like, "Well, now I have to play the whole thing." Um. So that is my list. I do have a a quick list of uh, other games that I do um, either own or. Um, have gotten the first couple episodes for um so we talked about before a game called dear esther which i uh do have and i do want to go through that um even just just to listen to the the soundtrack by jessica curry i think will be more than worth it um the first episode of life is strange 2 is out i uh, have that to go through um i just recently got a game called night in the woods which is uh, looked looked very interesting. It kind of had a uh, oxen free, at least stylistically. If it's not going to be kind of exactly the same, um, 
another game called Virginia, which apparently doesn't have any dialogue written or spoken. So I'm interested to see how that works as far as uh, storytelling goes. And then uh, the last game that I have uh, on this list is a game uh, called What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, yeah, so uh, What Remains of Edith Finch is the other game... Uh, or at least is the last game on my list of ones that I'm looking forward to playing. I have heard that there are some uh, pretty emotional moments, which are is probably one of the reasons why I have not picked it up yet, because uh, it's hard to pick up a game knowing that there's going to be uh, some rough stuff ahead. So, um, Are there any uh, games uh, that you've seen or you're interested in, in uh, looking at that are in this more storytelling-driven genre um it's it's hard for me because of my inability with the first person stuff um so i don't have a lot of options it feels like a lot of the time uh that being said now that i know that uh what was it called uh, uh captain spirit yeah uh, now that I, yeah, that, that's what, um, now knowing that that one is kind of connected to the, the um, I've already forgotten the name of it, uh, the universe of, uh, uh, life is strange. Life is strange. Um, I might, I might do that one and kind of see how I feel about that. Cause I tried, I tried playing through the first life is strange and even the, the camera on that one kind of was setting me off a little bit and I just ended up getting a headache and having to stop. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where I would like to play through it and kind of get through the story of it. Um, but I, I, I don't know what I need to do if I just need to do the same thing I did for Bioshock Infinite where I just ate ginger candy the entire time so that I could play through the game because of that game I I was going to play that game no matter what <laughs> and I just needed to figure out how to do it yeah. um, and so I think I just need to try some of my, my old tricks to see if I can play through some of these games uh, yeah I would I would say that the first Life is Strange is probably um, would probably be the the roughest of them, just because um, I think it has more like the I think it's part of it might be the like the frame rate and everything's a little bit jumpier. I think as as they've gone on and they've kind of been able to kind of perfect the the system, it's gotten um, a little bit smoother. Uh, but I would definitely say like. You know, as far as like if if the if the music is your as aesthetically is kind of your thing. Um, also, the other thing that they they do in there that I I liked a lot is uh, there are, are a bunch of Easter eggs. Like so, all the vehicles in the first Life is Strange and maybe in the uh, Before the Storm, but I, there are fewer vehicles to look at. Um, but all the license plates are have little Easter eggs, so there'll be like some X Files or Twin Peaks ones uh so that was uh another a fun thing to go through and kind of find all the different easter eggs that are in that um another game that i'm, I'm kind of just looking at my uh 
ready to download list right here. Another game that I keep looking at that I'm not quite sure what genre it falls into um, is Never Alone. Yeah, I I think uh, that's one of those another one of those games where I, I I think I got it like probably a year ago now on the last Black Friday sales that they were having on the Xbox Store. Um, whereas that one and uh, Seasons After Fall After Fall, yeah, um, I think it might be a little bit more of a platformer, but it's it's another one that uh, I should probably uh, check out soon. Just uh, Mostly I got it just because the, that the little uh, fox was uh, pretty appealing as far as uh, on the cuteness scale for me. So I uh, ended up picking that up. That's a legit reason. Because I'm looking at that cover and like the little kid and the little white like fox thing. And I'm just like, I, I need to know what adorableness happens here. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that's... Uh... That's pretty, uh, pretty good in in depth conversation that we had about uh, storytelling games. I think we uh, were able to cover a lot of things and uh, hopefully make these games sound more appealing than less appealing. Which, uh, again, I'll just say, if you're uh, if you're really uh, concerned about uh, ethics in gaming journalism and <laughs> and uh, you know real concerned about games having to be a certain thing, then you know, these might not be for you, but if if you like a a good story, well told, I think a, uh, a lot of these, to a, a certain extent, uh, or a lesser or greater extent, um, all pull it off in their own way, and would definitely be, be worth checking out. Yeah, don't don't be a douchebag. Be allow yourself to go along for the ride for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so with that, I would like to thank uh, Jonathan for uh, being available to end up on this. Uh, what ended up being our inaugural episode of the Moist Boys podcast after our technical snafu that I committed on the last uh, one that we tried to do. But we'll end up. We'll have to uh, reignite that conversation because I think there's some uh, there's some good stuff to go over with that. Uh, so uh yeah thanks for being on and uh we will uh we will see you next time all right good night